Well, it's good to be back. I've been uh, out for a month, and um, I know some of you may be new or been out for a while. Um, took the month of July off, and uh, a couple of things um, I get, I got asked a lot when I said I was going to take a month off. It's like, are you okay? <laughs> like, are you? and it's like, yeah, I'm just tired. It's been been a long season. It's been the most uh, fruitful season of my life in my ministry in the last year, and around April started to become self-aware of just how much I've given almost daily to people and to the church and um, found that I didn't have a whole lot left in the tank mentally and emotionally and spiritually and just felt, Lord, I need, I need to not be needed for a while. And, and it was so great. And then coming back, a lot of people say, are you sad? I was like, no, I'm ready to go. I've, I've been you know, itching and I didn't check my email for a month. It was so great. I had 168 emails. So apologize if you sent me an email during that time. Um, one of the great if people asked what's the best thing was uh, we spent a week in Colorado and uh, sleeping in like 39 degree weather while it was 100 here. I got to say, it's pretty awesome. So um, hopefully that doesn't cause envy for you, but uh, it was a great gift from the Lord. We're going to um, be in Proverbs 4 today because it's the fourth, I think. And that's the chapter we're on. Um, but if you're new, or we've been doing this for two months, so I'd like to actually go to Proverbs 1 just for a bit to just remind myself and all of us why we got into studying um, some of the Proverbs for the summer. Um, we'll, we'll put this uh, verse on the screen. I, I like how the New Living Translation puts it. Um, I like two verses in um, Proverbs states its thesis, and it says that the purpose of Proverbs is to uh, teach people wisdom and discipline, and to help them understand the insights of the, of the wise. Uh, the next verse says uh, their purpose, there it is, their purpose is to teach people, re- repetitive again, to live, uh, not just to teach about things, but to actually put these things in practice, to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. So three verses in the Proverbs 1, this is the, the aim of the thrust of Proverbs. This is why the, its book is in uh, what we call the Bible or the Holy Scriptures, is to teach us to do some things for our well-being. I want to uh, start on the, at the very end of verse 3, and we'll work our way backwards. Um, and I want to highlight the word do, um, b- because the, the, the longer you're in church, there's this great challenge you should be aware of. There's this massive temptation. The longer you follow Jesus and the longer, especially if you're a part of cultural Christianity, you can uh, uh, maybe accidentally drift into this space where you start to learn things in your mind, but you don't actually put them into practice and do them. Um, If you ask anyone who's not in the church or who's of the secular world, and you ask them, hey, what's your biggest complaint about Christians? Pretty much across the board, they will and have said, they're a bunch of hypocrites. They believe something that they don't do. And so our, our challenge as followers of Jesus is to consistently do the Bible. Um, when I was beginning pastoring, my goal was to teach the Bible. And I very quickly learned that that creates Pharisees. And I, I swapped that goal out for a better goal, which is to teach people to do the Bible. It's so much greater to do the Bible than to just know the Bible. And um, and so here, this is Proverbs. I, just, I want to highlight that because I'm going to emphasize some homework for you today. And, and, and I don't want you to walk away going, oh, that was nice. I want you to go walk away going, I need to seek the Lord, and I need to answer some questions, okay? Um, 
Uh, here, to do what is, and I, this is great, what is right, what is just, what is fair. How many of you in this room have massive wounds and trauma from somebody not doing what is right, just, and fair to you? The answer is everybody. You don't have to look very far in the news to see what happens when people do not do what is right, just, and fair. You back up. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. We don't like the word discipline because, uh, you know, I was raised and disciplined with the, uh, my choice of whatever belt was in the closet. And so uh, discipline carries this like negative connotation because the pain hurts. Uh, but the, the Hebrew for, uh, for um, the discipline simply means wise behavior. That's what discipline means. It doesn't mean that you got spanked or they got time out. To be disciplined or to live a disciplined life or to be self-disciplined is to be able to have behavior that is wise and not foolish, okay? So that's, that's the aim of Proverbs, to teach us to actually live lives that are characterized by wise behavior and, and successful. Uh, I've never, I haven't met the person who says, I want to be a failure. I haven't met the person. We, we want to be, quote, success. Depends on how you define that word. Um, but, but this is the aim of Proverbs. So um, just if you didn't know, and if you go to lunch today and someone asks you, hey, what's the, what's the point of Proverbs? Here's what you can tell them. This is the, if I were to distill Proverbs into a tweet, it would be to teach us how to live well and to actually do it. That's Proverbs, okay? So in order to do that, you're going to have to do two things. You don't even need to write them down. They're so simple. Here, and, and this, I'm, just, I'm just pulling it from uh, these verses to live a well-ordered, disciplined life following Jesus with the Holy Spirit's power, here's what you need to do. You got to learn something and do it. Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount. The wise person is the person who hears these words of mine and puts it into practice. And he's like the person who builds his house on the rock. The winds come, the rain comes, and it stands. The fool the Bible's word for idiot or moron is the person who hears and doesn't put them into practice and builds their house on the sand. The hurricane comes, it falls with a great crash. That's how Jesus closes the greatest sermon ever told. Even Jesus would say, you got to hear these words and put them into practice. You got to learn something and do it. So I hope that I'm not overemphasizing, but I'm, I, I think I'm overemphasizing on the point because I, I want you to walk away going, I learned something and I'm, the Lord's calling me to, to partner with his work in my life and do something. Now, Disclaimer, usually when I talk this language to people, especially if they have any history in church, what can happen is all of a sudden the guilt trip starts to come and they start to feel guilt and shame because what I'm prodding you to do as a pastor is to own your spiritual formation and to not be lazy. And some people here, you need to work hard so God will love you. And that is not at all what Proverbs is saying or what I am saying. Uh, grace, uh, I, this is Dallas Willard, and I say it all the time because it's worth getting into our thick skulls, down into our gut. Grace is not opposed to effort. That's, there are, I know so many friends of mine who grew up in the church who think grace is just sitting on the pew and God's going to do everything for them because that's God's grace. That is not God's grace. That is laziness, spiritually. Grace is opposed to earning God's grace is opposed to you achieving something or for you to earn something and go, oh, well, I gave money, therefore God should love me. That's not grace. That's earning. However, you go to Philippians 2 and you'll see this, this, these wonderful two verses. I think it's 12 and 13. Um, work out your salvation 
or the reality of your salvation with fear and trembling because it is first God working in you. So what happens is God comes to you out of his grace and he wants to do something in your life. He's the change agent, the Holy Spirit. However, we have free will. We got a choice. We have the opportunity to cooperate and make decisions and make habits and choices and to do things with our mind and our time and our energy or not, okay? So I don't, hopefully that makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, ask me and I'd love to sit down and clarify with you. There's a lot that's been written on that. Um, Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. The way I say it, uh, and I'm sorry if, if it's redundant, um, is that God's blessing is always coming towards you. Um, but sometimes our bucket isn't underneath the faucet. And so when, when, I'm, when I'm talking about today is, is what, how is God calling you to take your bucket and to get underneath the faucet of God's living water and receive all the blessing in life he has for you? It's not because you earned it. But sometimes our bucket is very far from the faucet, and it's on, or there's a kink in the hose, and we've got to go and unkink, and all that stuff. So Proverbs 4, oh, not a bad intro. Proverbs 4, we'll go over to, uh, if you want to uh, read with us, the Bible's around you, that's page 530. We're going to read two verses. We're going to focus on one verse, but for those of you who like extra uh, homework and like to think about things a little bit deeply, there's, we're going to read a bonus verse. I'm not going to get into it, but... Um, if you're keen on some of this stuff and other things in the scripture, you'll understand, especially the teachings of Jesus, how these two verses um, are not accidentally put next to each other. They are connected. But we'll focus on verse 23. We'll read 23 and 24 of Proverbs 4, but we'll dig into 23. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Kind of amazing uh, that we, we, we would associate our heart with uh, like tenderness, and then it, there's like a word called vigilance. Uh, you should keep or protect, guard your heart with all vigilance. For, here's why, from it flow the springs of life. And that's what we're going to dig into. The bonus verse is put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Um, and there's a reason why those two are right next to each other, but we're going to focus on verse 23. I'd like to uh, do we have, did I give you a slide where it has the NLT with it? I don't know if I did. I think I did. Maybe not. There it is. Let's read these two together. The, the NLT, New Living, says to guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The ESV says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it, and I'd love for you just to acknowledge this uh, imagery here, from it flow the springs of life, okay? Uh, the springs of life. I, I don't know, have you seen a spring of life before? I was in Colorado, there's this uh, river that I, I love called the Snake River, and it is just this, uh, uh, it's maybe as wide as this, this room, and it, it winds, and that's why it's called the Snake River, and um, it's just teeming with life. It's just always flowing, it's not stagnant. And I was uh, sitting beside it with my son, praying, and, and I thought, oh, the streams of life, you know, streams of living water, like all these images that Jesus uses about the river of life or the streams of life or the, or, or the water of the spirit is just, oh, yeah, this is way better than a swamp or a quagmire or a bog or the river out here that's stanky, you know, like uh, the streams of life. I, I want you to um, consider for a moment the reward that you would have just personally 
for keeping and guarding the stream of life that comes from your heart because that's where the Holy Spirit lives. What, what would be the benefits to you, the people around you, if that spring of life was kept pure and was kept from debris and trash and was kept from being stagnant, what, what would the benefits be? Would you be uh, more loving, more patient, more gentle? Would you be more compassionate, more empathetic? What's the cost of not keeping your heart? What would happen to you and the people around you if you just let anything in there or just neglected your heart completely? What, what would that cost be? As you think on that, I've got a short video um, that kind of gives a really good image of the, co- the, the benefit and the cost of when we keep and protect the heart, the streams of life. Let's show it. There once was a town high in the mountains that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and ducks swam on it. You could see the rocks and the sand because the water was so fresh. High in the hills, far beyond anyone's sight, lived a man who served as the keeper of the springs. He had been hired a long time ago, and no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. He would travel from one spring to another in the hills, removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might pollute the water. But his work was unseen. One year, the town council decided they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the man anyway. They had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer, and giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury they could no longer afford. So the old man left his post. High in the mountains, the springs went untended. Twigs and branches and worse muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm wastes turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. For a time, no one in the village noticed. But after a while, the water was not the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live elsewhere. The water no longer had a crisp scent that drew children to play by it. Some people in the town began to grow ill. All noticed the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the streams that fed the town. The life of the village depended on the stream and the life of the stream depended on the keeper. The city council reconvened, the money was found, the man was rehired. After yet another time, the springs were cleaned, the stream was pure, children played again on its banks, illness was replaced by health, the swans came home, and the village came back to life. The life of a village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is the soul, and you are the keeper. When the Bible refers to the word soul, I don't know if it's 100% of the time, but most of the time, it's a word that means your entire person. 
Um, and some examples of this would be in Acts. There's some, I forget the, the reference. Um, it talks about uh, so many souls being on board of a ship. And even in the airline industry, um, they will report 237, not bodies, they'll say souls. It's amazing that the aviation industry uses that term, souls on board, to describe your entire person. Right, so here's something, here's something you can learn today. You can go, I didn't know that before. Um, we live in such a postmodern world. We have really, quite frankly, a jacked up view of who we are as people and, uh, and what makes us unique as God's cre- creation. Um, and so here's a great image. There's a lot of this uh, out here. Um, this comes from uh, Dallas Willard and John Ortberg. Um, and it is uh, my favorite way of, of looking at this. So we'll start in the center of who you are, is the heart. Now, sometimes that's uh, called the heart, the will, or the scriptures will also refer to the spirit. Um, but I would like for you to see um, heart, will, spirit interchangeably. I remember as a kid, I understood this instinctively. I would draw a person, and I would draw the heart, and I would draw it here. And then I was confused when I got into uh, elementary school and learned that it's here, and it doesn't look at all like that. It's like a pump. Right, Um, But we understand that at the center of who we are is your heart. It is not a physical organ like your, you know, cardiovascular pump. It's, this is, we're talking about something different. It's who you are, your heart. Now, um, what makes your heart your heart? It means you have the ability to choose. It's your chooser. You're like, what is the heart? Uh, Your heart is your chooser. It's, it's, it's your will. It's what, gives you the ability to say yes or no, or I'd like that, or I don't like that. That comes not from your mind. That comes from the core of who you are, your heart, your spirit. This is um, where the, the hope of glory, Christ in me, lives and dwells. Uh, it's where the, the, the still, small voice speaks to you, deep down in there. Um, next layer of who you are is your mind. Okay, It is your thoughts and desires. Okay, Your heart is your, um, your will, your choosing, your mind is your thoughts and your desires, okay? Next level is your body. Your body is, uh, is your habits and your appetites. Fascinating thing here is, uh, this was pointed out to me by Ortberg, is that um, the body is so much stronger than the heart. Um, the body often does not especially when it's out of alignment, does not respond to the wishes of the heart. Um, for example, um, when I got back and uh, uh, Jake and Cameron asked me, he said, hey, you want to go run with us at 6 a.m. in the morning? I was like, my, um, my heart said, that would be great. I would love to go work out because I'm, I'm, I'm gaining a little bit of weight, believe it or not, and, uh, and I don't work out and I should and and six in the morning, it's, it, I think it was, what, 67 degrees? I was like, that sounds amazing. And then my mind was like, you need to work out. My body said, no, 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 no. No, that's not a good idea. You don't want to run two miles at 6 a.m. In, in the heat of summer in July. That sounds like awful. And so uh, that, that, that's an example of, of how sometimes our body can override the other two. Jesus uh, dealt with this with the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked them to come and pray and watch for them. They fell asleep. And what does Jesus say when he comes to the disciples and wakes them up? He says, um, you are willing, but your flesh is 
week. And, and that's a great example in the scriptures of the disciples were willing to go pray with their Lord right before he was going to be betrayed. But their body, the weaknesses of their habits and their appetites overrode their will. Paul would talk about this, I, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do, things I, it, all right, so this is all inside of us. And then you have the next layer, which would be the soul. Um, the soul is the most sensitive part of you. The soul is what people interact with. Um, the soul's job is to, uh, how do you say this, uh, align and to integrate the other three parts of who you are, your heart, your mind, and your body. The soul's job is to keep those in line, okay? Now, uh, here's a great example of um, when somebody's heart, mind, and body is integrated, we would say what? They have what? Integrity, because they're integrated. When somebody doesn't have integrity, it's because their heart, mind, and body are not aligned. To give you an example, you got a buddy, you need to move, and you said, can you help me on Saturday morning at 8? Help me move. And their heart and their will says, or they, in their heart, their will, they're like, I don't want to move uh, on a Saturday morning. And their heart is really saying no. Their mind goes, you're going to be a bad friend if you say no. And so their body, their, their tongue and their breath and says, yes, I'll help you move. And their mind says, you need to help them move. But their will and their heart says, that's not a good idea. And because they're not aligned, they don't show up. And eventually you find out that that person doesn't have integrity because they're not integrated. All three parts of who they are are not aligned up. Make sense? The soul's job is to line all that stuff up and give it to people. That's your soul's job. And when it's not lined up, we say people are crooked. Where do you think we get that phrase from? It's because they're not lined up, right? Okay, so the other thing, just this is the bonus, is that the soul is so sensitive. I mean, it's like the deepest part, and it's so sensitive. And the greatest thing I learned about the soul in the last two years is that the soul needs blessing. Your soul was designed to receive the blessing of God Almighty. It was not designed to receive cursing. It was designed to receive blessing. And there is only blessing or cursing. There's no middle ground. Even if you go, well, I don't really, that's a curse. Because you're not willing someone's best. That's really, when you bless somebody, you're taking your, your will, your spirit, your heart, your thoughts, your body, and you give all of that with goodness towards people. That's what it means to say, I bless you, or God bless you, or may the Lord bless you, is you want the best for other people, and you take everything with who you are, and you leverage it, and your soul is the, is the blesser, okay? Make sense? All right. Now, your job is to keep your soul. Your job is to keep your mind. Your job is to keep your body. Your job is to keep your heart and your spirit. I can't do it for you. A podcast cannot do it for you. A book from Amazon cannot do it for you. I could help you. A book could help you. A podcast could help you. You are the keeper of your soul. I have a unique responsibility where the scripture says that uh, pastors and teachers will stand before God and give an account for the souls they oversaw. And right now what I'm trying to do is to... Um, is to really uh, 
help you see the importance of this and say your life in God and your life with others and your life with yourself would be so much more better if you understood how to keep and protect your soul, your body, your mind, your heart above everything else. And when you don't, it's, it's, it's trauma waiting to happen. You might be the one inflicting trauma. You might be the one susceptible to trauma because you're just so open to everybody. And so um, the, uh, let's put up Proverbs 4.23 in, and, uh, in both versions one more time. And, and now that you uh, see kind of that video about the springs of life and as we've looked at the heart and the soul and all those things, read this one more time. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The bonus verse there is put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far uh, from you. It's because Jesus in, in the Sermon on the Mountain in Luke 6.45 says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say, and I love that he uses the word flows. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Again, Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart without vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Uh, can we put the, the, the concentric circle slide back on there? Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever... Um, been around somebody or someone did this to you, where they said something that was offensive to you or about somebody else, and immediately they said, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Maybe that's happening. Maybe you said something like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't mean that. I take that back. Usually happened a lot to me in junior high, but what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount is, no, 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 no. You may have not meant for it to come out. You may even be surprised that it did come out. But what you say, it comes from somewhere. And if that's ever happened to you, like you've said something, you're like, why did I say that? Uh, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows whatever comes out of your mouth, okay? So I, I hope that up until this point, you have uh, maybe been encouraged to go, oh, the stakes are kind of high for how I am overseeing and leading my soul, my body, my mind, and my heart. The stakes are high. Now, usually this is where I would tell you, here's the three things you need to do. I'm not going to do that today. Um, I want to ask you uh, two questions. The first, super simple. How was your heart? That would be a great question to ask yourself every day. Every morning, noon, before you go to sleep. How's your heart? What happened to your heart today? What happened... Uh, Anytime you watch, uh, the scary thing about things like this week is when, when our eyes see images or video that we were never created to experience. Uh, when you hear about uh, like a mass shooting or something, isn't there this thing in your soul that goes, like you feel the sting because we were not created for that. And this would be a great question to ask after you see a news report is how is your heart? Are you growing callous to these things? You know, um, what scares the mess out of me is the fact that we have cell phones with high, with a high definition video, and 
And, and we live in a time where somebody could take video of awful things happening, and in 20 seconds, it could be retweeted and sent around the world for millions of people to see, and God never intended your soul to experience those things at the rate we experience them today. You need to guard your soul, your, your body, your mind, your heart. You need to um, monitor how much of that stuff you allow in. Don't go hide under a rock. You need to monitor. You need to be aware of, of how that stuff affects you because it does affect you. The second question I'd ask you is where in your life right now is God asking you to kind of wake up and guard, keep, protect above all else? Um, perhaps it's your mind. Perhaps this sermon has sparked the fact that you don't really uh, pay attention to the lyrics of songs that come in, you know? My grandma was right. Uh, music has a way of affecting you. Uh, maybe there's friends. Maybe there's relationships. Maybe, maybe there's uh, Netflix series you watch that are just not good for your soul. And, and um, you, just, you just allowed things to come in. Um, here, here, uh, to get you going, here, we could, I'll give you eight other things you could ask. Of, How's your soul doing? Uh, how's your body How's your health? How's your diet? How's your exercise? Should you join Jake and Cameron at 6 a.m. in the morning and run? How's your mind? We talked about that. How's your heart? Let's expand it. How's your relationships? Are there toxic relationships that you need to cut off? Are there bad characters in your life that you just need to go, you know what? My life would, would have more peace and blessing without that person. How's your joy? The devil's a joy thief, just straight up. You know, God, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The enemy wants to take it from you. How's your joy? Are you, are you, have you allowed the devil to steal your joy? How's your peace? How's your contentment? Are you caught up in the American dream and the rat race and consumerism? Just some starter questions for you. Now, I, I apologize, I don't have like practical, and here's what you need to do. Um, but the great news is, is one, you have the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is so great to take these questions to the Lord, find a quiet space and go, Lord, help me. I've never met anyone where the Lord has refused that request. And this is an opportunity for you to take this and go do, find some time with the Lord and go, Lord, what are you saying to me? How do I need to partner with your work in my life? Where am I out of the line? Where do I need to protect, okay? Um, after you do that, if you need some help, this is exactly what gospel communities are for. This is what small groups are for. This is what church is for. Um, we are here. Uh, email me, email Jake, or call us, talk to us. We, we, we would love to uh, partner with you um, as you partner with Christ on, on what he's doing in your life. But uh, more than anything, my desire is just to show you, you got to keep your heart. You got to protect your heart. You got to protect these other things. And, and may, may t may, may, maybe today is a day where you, can ju you just get to hit the reset button and reevaluate some things and take that to the Lord and ask God, what are you saying to me? Where, where do I need to adjust? Uh, are there habits? Are there practices? Are there appetites? Are there relationships? You know, this is an open road for discipleship. You can take this a million miles, okay? The good news of... Uh, Jesus Christ, is that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Not because of our ability to do this, and not because of our church attendance or because of our good works, just because he loved you and he loved me.
But the full gospel is not that God wants to get you into heaven when you die. The full gospel is God wants to get you into heaven before you die. Like he does, The Lord's prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done right now as it is in heaven. And that doesn't just mean in these ethereal places, but it means in your life, in your body, in your mind, in your soul, in your heart. Jesus died for you so that you could experience life in the kingdom of God, life in the river of life here. But it doesn't come without some effort. You don't earn it. May you take your bucket and get underneath the faucet and bathe in the river of life. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you are a good father. You are a great dad who love, loves your children more than we could ever comprehend, more than I can comprehend. And we just confess our distractions. God, we confess how easy it is as humans to uh, like that great song says, we're prone to wander. We're prone to leave the God we love. So Lord, here's our heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. We give you our souls today and we ask that you, the great keeper of our souls, would, would instruct us how we could work with you to protect and keep our souls. We give you our bodies to the great one who laid down his body for ours. Lord, help us to guard and care and love and respect and honor our bodies just as you did. Lord, we give you our minds. We ask that you would give us um, a renewed mind that we would be renewed with the mind of Christ, that you would show us, Lord, just exactly how to set our minds on things above and not on earthly things. And God, we give you our heart, the core of who we are, our, our agenda, our will, our choices, our spirit. Lord, we come and we give you us, everything. We ask that um, we just need your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit to equip us and lead us in building our life upon you. On the rock, not on the sand. Help us to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Lord, for those who are listening who have yet to fully surrender their life to your call to come into the kingdom of God because of your life, death, burial, and resurrection. God, I pray in this moment that you would awaken dead hearts, that you would bring a new birth to those whose hearts are dead, that the power of your gospel would penetrate every wall and defense and excuse and doubt and question And just as you did, Lord, to me and many others, that you would save in the midst of questions and doubts. We give it all to you, Jesus. Thanks for being here with us. We love you so much.